0: Well, glad to have everybody here. Before we, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, but before we get going too fast, I'd like you to help me congratulate uh, Jeremy and Tiffany Carson on 20 years of marriage this Wednesday. Why don't we stand? This is the, uh, the obligatory bouquet of flowers. Oh, I thought Austin was going to take a picture. I don't know. No, you're not. Okay, just pretend. Click, click. Hey. Here we go. Nice, very nice, very nice. We are we um we are thrilled, proud of you guys. Uh, it's, it's Wednesday. The, it's the 11th of September is their uh their anniversary. We don't say September 11th because of everything, but uh uh it's the it's the 11th of September, and uh, they're gonna be gone. Uh, taking a little trip and a little holiday uh anniversary trip. And we love them. We also uh would Lori and I would ask for you to pray with us. We're going to be in Houston this week with Pastor Callie and Celebration of Life Church doing a a conference there with some other folks. Actually, Lori's going to be speaking, and I think I'm just going to be making sure her Bible gets carried and she has water. (laughs) Uh, I'm happy to do it. Have you found your Bibles yet? The book of Matthew, open it up, please, uh, to chapter 6. I'll do it with you. That way we take the same amount of time. I had my... Here we go. Matthew chapter 6. The Gospel of Matthew calls the reader to follow Jesus. Everybody say, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Yeah, I was, that was almost enthusiastic. You're doing okay. And then the Gospel of Matthew tells us what that means and how to do it. And we are in Matthew 6 where Jesus is teaching His disciples about prayer. So we've called this subsection, How Disciples Pray. Disciples Pray. Okay, I was counting and then there was more of you. Okay, let's try it again. Disciples Pray. Okay, how do they do it? Well, we've seen so far that uh, disciples pray for heaven on earth. Okay, now, if you don't know that, just, just a couple of weeks back in the Facebook feed, just rewind the tape, go back. We, heaven is the standard of our hope. It's the standard of our expectation. It's our frame of reference. And we don't we, we pray until you can't tell the difference between heaven and earth. That means no failure is final. That means no matter how it looks, it can look better. <laughs> okay? All right, good. So far, all right, now we're getting somewhere. And... Now, we also saw that disciples pray for divine provision. I'm looking for some help here. Dis- disciples pray for divine provision. We are not, we're not, that Jesus doesn't say, oh, you know, give us this day our daily bread in order to keep us in a bread line or to keep us dependent or to, to keep us on a short leash. He's saying that regardless of the world around you, you as a dis- disciple of Jesus, you have access to divine privilege and divine provision. And that we can look for that daily. Now, we don't worry about yesterday. We don't worry about tomorrow. We have faith for today. and We, have, we are fully expecting that he's going to provide everything we need for today. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Very good. All right. So what we'll see today is that disciples pray. Hi, Charlie. It's good to see you, man. We heard some reports that you were kind of hurting here and there. But ain't, ain't no grave going to keep you down. Come on now. Don't mess with Charlie. Listen, if you don't want to be loved on, just go somewhere else. Uh, uh, Don't go anywhere else. Uh, Today we'll see that disciples pray for mercy. (laughs) I was looking for any amens left in the room, and they were quickly running out. (laughs) Disciples pray for mercy. Because disciples can. Because disciples should. We should because we need mercy. And we should because we give mercy. We are merciful. We are in Matthew 6 and verse 12. But today, uniquely, we're going to look at verse 12 and then incorporate verses 14 and 15. It, it appears that Matthew has intended to, he has added this, this other part onto this prayer almost as an addendum or as a, I mean, it's definitely the words of Jesus, but he wants us to hear how important this is. So uh, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and now there is one of the first conjunctions there, that's a chi, so we're going to, that, that 12 and 13 have a similar rhythm because of that conjunction, we'll get there in a minute. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, verse 14, for if you forgive others, For their transgressions, where they, to transgress is to trespass, to step over a line. If you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Now, I don't want to be clumsy. Clumsy. I have, I, I'm naturally not necessarily very um, coordinated. Uh, I'm good at falling. But when it comes to the text, I don't, I, I don't want to be clumsy. And I don't want to be harsh. I don't want, I, you know how I feel. I, I get very grieved that, that over the generations people have weaponized the words of Jesus. I don't want to be harsh, but I also do not want to be cheap. This is just too important. So the first thing we see is this: Jesus says, "And for to pray and forgive us our debts." Would y'all just say that out loud? Us our debts. So disciples pray for mercy because we need it. Who's he talking to here? He's talking to disciples. He's talking to people who have already believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew has written this after the resurrection of Jesus, after they're, they're beginning to understand the finished work. It's after Pentecost as Matthew's writing this down, and he's still writing it down. That means if you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been through Pentecost, you've trusted in the finished work of Jesus, you know, I surrender all, grace, grace, marvelous grace, guess what? You still need mercy. Jesus said we should pray for mercy. We should seek forgiveness of our debt. What is a debt? I'm hoping that many of you aren't very familiar with a lot of it. But a debt is an obligation. This is an intended phrase here. This is an economic word on purpose. A debt is an obligation, and specifically, perhaps, an obligation that you have missed, you are behind on. It is something that is owed. So even for disciples, debt is real. We owe our devotion and obedience to our Lord. And when we don't do so, we are in debt. Disciples can miss the mark. You, you know, sarcastically saying what but disciples can miss the mark. Disciples can disobey. Are you really shocked? Are you, is this new? <laughs> now, this is in no way to suggest that following Jesus should lead to a life of shame and introspection. The path of discipleship will involve increasingly seeing the excellence of Jesus and the excellence of life that he offers and that he teaches. And in response to that, the, the, the path of discipleship will have increasing opportunity to trade our sorrows for his joy. We will have increasing opportunity to trade our pain for his peace. We will have increasing opportunity to trade our infirmity for his strength. We will have increasing opportunity to trade our failure for his mercy. If you don't believe that, you are probably excusing and accumulating debt. You are probably grieving the spirit and stunting your growth and hurting others and forfeiting maturity while dismissing those behaviors as some phony gratitude as for, you know, grace, grace, marvelous grace. I'm under the finished work. It doesn't matter anyway. See, as a disciple, if you don't see and feel your need for mercy, you may be following at too safe a distance. Christ's work is finished. Christ, oh, somebody over here believes it, so I'm going to go over here. Yeah, Christ's work is finished. Anybody else pleased with that? Christ's work is finished. You and I may still need some work. Disciples can sin. In fact, we should have... You're going to try to help me out there. Yeah. That's ribeye guy. You quit it. Okay. Uh, in fact, we should have the same approach to mercy as we do bread. What? Give us this day. I know, I know. You, you weren't here last week, and I, this, I, I exchanged bread for ribeye so that you could identify with it. I said, if you don't like that, you're keto, paleo, whatever old carnivore, just switch it for ribeye. I got massive amens for the ribeyes. It was like revival broke out. So, so anyway, you should treat mercy like you do bread. That doesn't mean avoid it, Brother Saltwasser, okay? What that means is Jesus says, I'm living mercy free. Jesus said that we should have a daily faith for provision, right. and he talked about bread being something we need daily, and then he used the grammar is and, so give us today our daily bread and, Kai, the conjunction with the same rhythm, and forgive us our debts, meaning this is something that I can think about daily. I have a daily opportunity for mercy. Why are you saying amen to that? We're, you're, she's agreeing, not accusing, just so that you know. <laughs> but we should also be as confident that we will receive mercy as we are confident he will provide bread. He is the source of provision as much as he is the source of mercy. Forgive us our debts oh somebody say forgive Forgive. we understand that debt is real but so uh, so is forgiveness to forgive means to cancel the debt forgive us our debt means to cancel the debt cancel the debt it means to send the amount owed away This is mercy, to be forgiven of the debt entirely. Now, I want you to see that there is nothing here that uh, is about relationship. Hang on a minute. Consider this. There's no mention here of needing, of seeking or praying for a restored relationship with your father. Hang on. Because our relationship with our Heavenly Father is not performance-based. We did not earn discipleship. We obeyed it. And when or if we fail, if we disobey... John, 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, I am writing to you, dear children, so that you may not sin. You feel that? Put one foot back, one foot here, good brace, good, good fighting stance. I'm writing to you so that you will not sin, comma, but if you do, he says. <laughs> See, the expectation, the empowerment is, dis- dis- I said, we said disciples can sin, not disciples must There's a difference. I'm writing to you so you will not sin. But if you do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. When we find ourselves in need of mercy, we have confidence that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Mercy is not an increased margin for sin. Mercy is not an approval of the debt. It is not an acceptance of the debt. It is not an excuse for the debt. It is not an endorsement of the debt, and it's not a denial that the debt ever happened. Mercy is the cancellation of the debt, a destruction of the debt, in fact. That is forgiveness, that is mercy. Colossians chapter 2 verse 14, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of the decrees against us, which was hostile to us, he has taken it out of the way. As much as I love the New America Standard, that's kind of a weak way of saying he has totally obliterated it. He has totally. Up, there is a. There was a receipt of your indebtedness, and he obliterated that deceit by na- that receipt by nailing it to the cross. Amen. Amen. Isaiah forty three twenty five. I even I am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own name'sake, and I will not remember your sins. Psalm one hundred three twelve. As far as the east is from the West, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. That is mercy. That is forgiveness. That is cancellation of the debt. Disciples should pray for mercy because we can. Because his mercy is great and new every morning. And because we need mercy. Disciples should pray for mercy because we give mercy. Or I might have said, because we need to be merciful. Forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. Say it with me out loud as we forgive our debtors. This is an acknowledgement that people, even fellow disciples, might sin against us. And our Lord expects, He requires us to forgive those who are in our debt now i don't i i I, i'm i have enough bible i'm very confident i don't need your your affirmation but i'm wanting you to believe this for your sakes he expects us to do like he does for us we're we're following jesus we're imitating him the prayer is forgive us as we also forgive. Hey, you remember I would talk to Meg cuz she'll be an easy target. You remember Meg when we said how excited we got about heaven on earth as right as in heaven so on earth, right? As so. Everybody say as so. As. And we get excited about wanting heaven on earth and things to change and sh- back and we shout shout down and dab and everybody right as in heaven so on earth. Guess what? There's another rhythm right here, and that's the, the and that's the the hoskai of in the Greek. That's that that's that as in heaven so on earth is the same rhythm as as you forgive so I forgive. It's the same rhythm. The standard of our hope is heaven, and the standard of Forgiveness. The standard for mercy is also heaven. Heaven is the standard of our hope and our provision and mercy. We release the debt. Now, I want you to know that I'm already familiar that right now in the room, some of you are beginning to. Cross your legs, fold your arms, and I'm not making fun of you. I'm saying non-verbally you are trying to compensate for a fear that that this means somehow you have to allow someone to hurt you again. And I'm telling you right now, that is not what this means. But you need to listen to mercy for a few more moments. Forgive as we are forgiven. So then we also release the debt. We cancel the obligation. Lean into this. We release our right for payback. We release the right to make it even. We trust the justice of God. He is big enough to handle our debt against him. And if we release the debts against us to him... Then he can handle that too with righteousness. We have to call the. We have to turn this matter over to the proper authorities. We are not vigilantes. When people sin against us, we do not become vigilantes because as we then we are we are God. God is the author and the respecter of jurisdictions. And as long as we keep this offense in my jurisdiction then I'm the only one dying. Wow. I'm the one poisoned. Yeah. I'm the one suffering and I have precluded God from dealing with it. Oh. Wow. But I turn it over to his jurisdiction and that means I trust him. I release that I release between I release my right to get even. I re- I cancel that debt. I release it to the Lord. Look at verses 14 and 15 again. If you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgression. Verses 14 and 15 are strong. They are the words of Jesus. And they connect the mercy we experience with the mercy that we express. Now, When I look at verses 14 and 15, I can't argue that this means, quote, God won't give you mercy until you've given mercy. I can't argue that because we know that we need His mercies beyond our capacity even to emulate His mercy. Our need for mercy is beyond my capacity to give it away first. And I need his mercy to instruct and to enable my own mercy. I need his mercy first. If we love because he first loved us, I've got to believe the same about mercy. And I also can't argue, please lean into this before someone weaponizes this. I also can't argue that means if you don't forgive, God will unforgive you. I don't think he can unforgive. I'm pretty sure he can't. God can't unforgive. He can't uncancel a debt. He doesn't call the debt back. If, the, if, the, if he blotted it out by his own blood, he can't find it again. He can't find he gets in the sea of forgetfulness. It's from the uh, east, is from the west. He doesn't change the cardinals of the, of the compass back, switch them around again. Oh, found it. There it was. No. He can't unforgive you, so what does this mean? What sense do I make of this? I believe this. I believe this is teaching us that your attitude toward mercy will determine your experience of mercy. If you harbor resentment and anger, you will find yourself unable to grasp mercy. You will find yourself unable to drink from the rivers of God's loving kindness. Again, this isn't necessarily about restoring a relationship with someone. You know, you don't have to be close friends with someone in order to forgive them. Nor does forgiveness make you best friends. You you don't have to have a relationship with someone for them to sin against you. You just need to have mercy. Let me say this again. When it comes when it when we're talking about giving mercy to others, when we are when we are being merciful to others, it is not an increased margin for sin. Mercy is not an approval of that debt or an acceptance of that or an excuse for it or an endorsement for it or a denial that it happened. It is simply a cancellation of the debt. It is a destruction of that debt. Harboring, stewarding, protecting what you feel you are owed may preclude your capacity to be free. You protect what you're owed. This is a debt against me. You owe me this debt. I'm going to hold this against you. Then you are the one being held. Your attitude toward mercy will determine your experience of it. Healing, deliverance, peace always come from mercy. From receiving mercy and giving it. Always. His mercy will enable yours. His mercy will inspire yours. Keep your eyes and your heart on His mercy. Ephesians 4:32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Colossians three thirteen, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you cancel the debt. Just say "Cancel cancel the debt. Oh, that's the fastest way to clean up those books, justify those margins get rid of all the red ink, cancel it. Now, I I realize you may have a real rub with the idea. You might say, hey, what do you mean, forgive them? Do you know what they did? When we reject or resent... The idea of giving someone mercy, it may be rooted in our own undervaluing of the mercy we have received. If your own concept of mercy is no big deal, I'm forgiven. (laughs) After all, not perfect. Uh, Grace, grace, marvelous grace. Uh, Unfinished work, no biggie if your concept of the mercy that you are walking in or receiving from God is cheap, then you may very well recoil at extending that kind of cheap mercy to those who have hurt you. But when you consider the matchless, measureless, priceless, limitless mercy, when you consider the cost of the mercy God has extended to you and the completeness of that mercy, and you let the truth of what God has done for you, its cost and its completeness, when you let yourself be captured by it, You let yourself be overwhelmed and overcome. You intentionally surrender in complete gratitude and humility to the mercy that you have received. When you understand that the rhythm here is as God in Christ has forgiven you. When you keep your eyes and your heart fixed on the cost and the completeness and the greatness of His mercy. And when you see and believe how much mercy you have received, you will be more ready to be generous with mercy as well. Disciples pray for mercy because we can, and because we should. Because we need mercy and we need to be merciful. And that is what it means to follow Jesus.